Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to Jewel Says. I'm Julie Jewels. I've been thinking a lot about my mom lately. Dorothy is her name. But this week is the 25th anniversary of her passing. She passed away in November 1997. My God, I, I can't believe it's been 25 years, a quarter of a century. Moms, they get a bad rap sometimes. I always feel a bit sad to see young adults refer to their moms as a pain or treat them as though they don't matter. I get that people go through that phase when they're a teen, but by the time you're an adult, you know, cut us a little bit of slack. So often when mom calls or visits, there's eye rolling and sighing and an overall attitude of, oh, well, I guess I have to deal with my mom. Or they screen their mom's calls. And I'm talking about on TV and movies and stuff like that. I remember even when I saw Rent years ago, there's, um, you'd hear the mom's voice. Oh, hi, how are you? And just the attitude. It's like, you know what? She just wants to know that you're okay. Just let her have that. Abe and I just finished watching both seasons of Hacks. I highly recommend it. We loved it, and the performances were funny and sad and nuanced. But the main character, who is an aging comedian, is the mother of a young adult woman. When I say young, I'd say maybe 30s. But I liked that her character wasn't just a mom. She was a professional actor and a comedian and a diva. This character had depth. We were allowed to empathize a bit with some of her flaws, and she was certainly flawed. But I really enjoyed this character overall, except for some of her temper tantrums. This character had, um, I'm going to call her a sidekick. She hires a young writer to help her out to refresh her content. And this young writer's mom, by contrast, was portrayed as irritating, shrill, irrational. And I know she was a secondary character, but still, it really bugs me to see mothers depicted this way. And I think if occasionally we saw it, I wouldn't feel so annoyed. But when you see it again and again and again, come on, there is so much more to your mother, more to your nan, and more to you if you're a mother than just a mother. That is one role that you have in your life. Your mom was a fully formed human being before you came along and took over her life. Okay, that sounded a bit resentful. It's not. It's it's just the truth. I, I can tell you, I loved nothing more than raising my children. They filled the huge emptiness, not their job, but they did, I didn't have a lot of time to think about anything other than their well-being and, of course, my job. 
And that was a good thing for me. And they were brilliant and fun and funny. And if you know me at all, you know I value funny. But let's be honest, I was tired when my children were little. None of them slept through the night until they were three years old. And by sleeping through the night, I mean midnight to 5 a.m. Sometimes they were sick and (sighs) housekeeping, laundry, shopping and meals. It's keeping up with all of that is like shoveling in a snowstorm. It just never lets up. Raising children is demanding, but they grow up, they need you less, and they often go through a phase where it actually seems they don't even like you at all. If your children are the only source of fulfillment that you have, then the emptiness just returns. I suppose this is where that one-dimensional, annoying mom character comes from. Maybe there aren't many moms working in the writers' rooms. I don't know, but as a human being who is also a mother, that trope is insulting, it's tired, and it's 2022, we need to get over it. Because we keep seeing it again and again and again. I've had friends whose mothers did have a hard time treating them or maybe even seeing them as adults. They loved their moms, don't get me wrong. But they knew that when their moms visited, maybe their housekeeping or decor or fashion would be criticized. And that's frustrating. Some of my friends have commented that their mothers treat them like children. And there are certain subjects they would never discuss with their mothers, parts of their lives they would never feel comfortable sharing. Now, I guess I was lucky because my mom absolutely was not like that. Our relationship evolved as I grew up. I don't think there was any part of my life that I would share with a friend that I would not have also felt comfortable sharing with Dorothy. And we never ran out of things to talk about. I chatted on the phone with my mom almost every day, often more than once a day. Of course, her health wasn't great for the last few years before she passed away, so she was pretty much stuck at home at her control center in the kitchen, which meant those phone calls were kind of a lifeline. They were more important than they would have been if she was well enough to go out and enjoy life. I had a 25-foot-long phone cord on my wall. We didn't have Bluetooth in the olden days, and I had a wall phone in the kitchen. And I cradled it on my shoulder as I continued cleaning or cooking or doing whatever I was doing as quietly as I could. And she used to get so annoyed with me because she'd hear me. She'd say, God damn it, Julie, can't you just stop for a few minutes and sit down and talk? To this day, I feel anxious if I'm talking on the phone while not doing something else at the same time. I guess that's rude, but I was busy. Dorothy still had no problem telling me what she thought about what I was doing wrong. But for whatever reason, it just, it didn't, it didn't feel as though she was treating me like a child. It felt more like, um, it felt more like a peer. I would listen to what she said. We would discuss, often disagree, but it genuinely felt more like discussing with a friend, discussing an issue with a friend. When it came to advice on my appearance, I knew she meant well, though I recognized years later that her weight advice was misguided. If you have to be sick or barely able to eat for months to maintain your quote-unquote ideal weight, that is not your ideal weight. I'm still coming to terms with that. 
but I know that she meant well. She thought I'd be happier if I was thin and pretty. For a while, when Catherine was a baby, I had um, a shortish, it wasn't cropped short, I had a shortish hairstyle with a body perm so it would hold its shape. I used to put it in hot rollers, and it was cute. My mom called that hairstyle tossed salad. I loved your tossed salad hair, she lamented when I grew it out a bit longer. That long hair makes you look hangdog tired. I think it was my exhaustion making me look hangdog tired, Dorth, but okay. We had many discussions on parenting. I always asked for her advice, even if I didn't follow it. Our discussions included many disagreements. You're not breastfeeding, are you? That's barbaric, for example. When my second baby was born, the nun said to me, We're not bringing you your baby until you agree to breastfeed him. Fine, I said. I need the rest. You look after him. (laughs) Even though I think she was completely wrong on that particular subject, I only lasted three weeks breastfeeding Catherine because she had projectile vomiting, and I mean five feet across the room projectile vomiting, so I sincerely thought something was wrong with my milk. Now, if I had been surrounded by supportive people and didn't have to hide feeding my baby, maybe I would have gotten past that, but I didn't. And of course, switching to formula did not fix the problem. And when I got sick after Joanne was born, Dorothy was only too thrilled when I called and asked her to please bring me some formula after I realized Joanne was inconsolable because she was hungry. Now, my mom did not routinely babysit. Val, an absolute gem of a woman who I hired through a job posting in the newspaper, was my workday sitter, and I had a small roster of teens I could call upon if we went out at night. I raised my children and I'm not raising yours. Fair enough. But I knew I could absolutely count on her if I was truly in a bind, if I really needed anything. She took time off work and spent a few afternoons looking after Catherine and Joanne so I could sleep that time that I was sick. And before her health deteriorated, we enjoyed regular visits, lots of drop-ins, many dinners at her place, and plus, of course, the phone chats. She worked with my father, Ted, at their property management firm before getting her real estate license. So she was busy herself. She had a very busy career until she was too unwell to work. Getting the real estate license was probably a good idea because it probably wasn't the best idea to live and work with Ted all day. But she never criticized my housekeeping or cooking. Never. Most of our disagreements were differences of opinion on parenting or um, maybe fashion choices, hairstyles for sure, or issues like, if you can't afford to quit your job to have a baby, you shouldn't be having children, stuff like that. I was never offended, though. We discussed our differences. Sometimes we got a little heated, but it was never acrimonious. I never got angry with her. We never got angry with each other. We really could agree to disagree very successfully. I sincerely hope my children don't view my help as criticism. Because two of mine live so far away, 
We don't have the luxury of short, frequent visits. I wish we did, but we don't. And because I understand how hard it is to keep up with everything when your children are little, I just want to help while I'm there. So if I come to visit and I clean out your fridge, it doesn't mean I think you're doing a bad job. It just means I want to help you with some of these shitty things that are hard to keep up with. When we were little... Doroth wasn't the type of mom who played outside a lot or took us to the park, but she always talked to us, drew us into discussions. She doesn't talk down to small children, and I think, I think they appreciate that. I certainly did. I wanted people to take me seriously when I was little. I wanted them to listen to me, to listen to what I had to say. Dorothy was firm, though. Whenever we were out, she didn't have to say a word, not to any of us. Now, I certainly was not a rambunctious child. If we were visiting someone's house, I was the type of kid who sat with the adults while the other children dashed off to run and play. If someone offered us something like a treat or do you want to do this or do you want to play with that, all we had to do was look at Dorothy and without a word, we knew whether we were allowed to accept. Not because she was scary. I was nervous with my father, but I was never, ever nervous of Dorothy, even though she was firm. The boundaries were very clear, well understood, and consistent. And I think there's a certain security in that. Dorothy always loved games. Carrie comes by that honestly. She loved a card game, a puzzle, but mostly word games. My parents had that in common. She and Ted would have a running game of gin. They'd keep score for months on end, one pulling ahead of the other and then back the other way again. Every morning she would photocopy the crossword puzzle and the word jumble. You did not dare touch her puzzles, and she and Ted would go off with their own copy and let the other know when they had the puzzles solved. This was another one of their ongoing competitions. Who could solve the puzzles first? There was a lot of tension with my father's drinking, and I still laugh warmly when I think about my mom shaking her fist in the air, saying, God damn you, Ted! Once she added, I'd love to shove a hot curling iron up your ass. (laughs) That was a classic. But no matter what, they had these games, these little things, these connections, I suppose. Well, it didn't make up for the problems, but I think it glued them in spite of the problems. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. My mom usually sat at her control center, her spot in the kitchen with the phone right there, her cigarettes and ashtray before she quit, shelves and cupboards that she had built behind her with all the control center essentials. Makeup, the makeup mirror, curling iron, blow dryer, spare pantyhose, tissues, Tylenol, Benadryl, 222s, a small fan for immediate heat relief, her purse, a few decks of cards, the Scrabble game, the cribbage board, pens, pencils, and paper for keeping score or drawing contests, which she invariably won. All the essentials at her fingertips. She had a TV in her bedroom, so when the children had their special sleepover nights, they could just snuggle in with her and watch until they fell asleep. And Dorothy loved to sing. Loved it. She taught us to remember things by making up songs about them. She sang around the house just because it made her happy. I do that. When I'm doing housework, I want to be alone because I want to turn the music on and I want to sing at the top of my lungs without reservation, without worrying that someone's listening. And it just, it just lightens my heart. We used to sing together and she would harmonize. She would teach me the harmony. She and Ted would often sing together too, you know, when the drinks were flowing at the kitchen table. One of the local pubs in Sarnia regularly featured a piano player who would pound out pretty much any song you could think of. She knew them all by heart as everyone joined in a sing-song. I just loved it. Dorothy and I loved it. She told me that she had singing lessons when she was young and wanted to be an opera singer until she met Ted and fell madly in love with him. That was it. In those days... The man didn't give up his dreams because he fell in love, usually, but the women did, because now your job was to make him happy. All she could think about was Ted. I just saw his face in my mind all the time. I couldn't get him out of my head, she told me. She pictured herself getting married and, and having a bunch of lovely little children, joyfully taking care of her home and family, wearing a pretty dress like June Cleaver with a little cinched-in waist. And then Ted arriving home after work, smiling, thrilled to come home to her, and so appreciative of how well she looked after everyone. Well, how many women have had that little pipe dream dashed to bits? This is why we need something other than service to our family in our lives. I'm pretty sure my dad didn't even notice all the work that went into caring for hearth, home, and children. He took it for granted. It was his right to expect not to even give any of it a thought. But that's a generational thing, I'm sure. Dorothy was a beautiful human being. She was generous to a fault. More than once, she lent money money she could ill afford in the thousands of dollars to people who never paid it back. Her brother, one of her cleaning ladies, and who knows who else. She lent us money once, but I insisted on a promissory note and I paid her interest. 
When she worked at the property management company, she built relationships with all the superintendents, workers, and tradespeople who maintained and improved the buildings. If I needed a tradesperson, like an electrician, she had a connection. And without exception, every one of her people told me how wonderful my mother was. Even though I knew, it felt really good to hear it from others. All these people really wanted to help her, to do a good job for her. Never underestimate the value of relationships. I've always said if I won the lottery, I would not quit my job the next day. I would at least give them an opportunity to transition my work to someone else. Why? Because I care about the people I work with. And Dorothy was like that. I didn't hear a lot of stories about when she was young, but the ones I heard, I really appreciated. She was the youngest of four children, a beautiful blonde little girl. She had to quit school, though, when she was only 15 to get a job when her father suddenly died of a heart attack. Her mom had to get a job, too. But in those days, of course, jobs available to women didn't pay really well, and it must have been really challenging for them to make ends meet. And because my mom's mom was 18 years younger than her dad, she didn't qualify for the insurance policy or his pension. And a friend of mine told me recently, too, that her husband doesn't qualify or doesn't qualify for as much. I don't know what it is because he's quite a bit younger than she is. I had no idea that was even a thing. If you're in one of those relationships, it's something you might want to look into. But Dorothy and her mom used to sometimes follow Dorothy's older sister, Mary, when she went on a date. They would sneak behind her, hiding behind bushes and buildings. Her sister would get so angry, of course. Sometimes her mom forced Mary to let Dorothy tag along to a movie. And when they sang God Save the Queen and O Canada, they used to do that here, apparently, at movies. Who knew? My mother would join in at the top of her lungs, much to Mary's mortification. Sometimes her mom used to pretend to be Aunt Sally, maybe when she didn't feel like dealing with being a mom. You know, sometimes you're tired and your children are like, Mom, Mom, Mom. All you have to do is say, Oh, your mom went out. I'm Aunt Sally. And, you know, the game is on. And the children are like, You're not Aunt Sally, you're Mom. But this is what her mom used to do. And Dorothy would get so annoyed. I'm pretty sure she used the Aunt Sally thing a few times on my children just for a laugh. She took on various characters when Catherine phoned her. Catherine would call when she was really little and ask to speak with Oski Doodle, and Dorothy would morph into the character, and the two of them would have entire conversations. I guess this is where I learned to stick to the bit. She met her best friend, Kath, when I would have been maybe four. Ted and Kath's husband played baseball together, and one night Ted brought them back to the house after one of their ball games. By the end of the night, Dorothy and Kath were dancing around the coffee table singing Hava Nagila, and they were the closest of friends until the end. When Kath came to visit after we moved to Sarnia, those two... <laughs> Those two could spend most of the day in their housecoats, laughing, smoking, and sipping Bloody Marys at the kitchen table. Kath used to call peanut butter penis butter. 
She used to say Harry Belafonte made her uterus quiver. She made up words to songs and spontaneously got up to dance. Kath was a true joy to be with, and she brought my mother a lot of joy. Kath was actually a model when she was younger, but Dorothy also was beautiful. Not model-esque looking, but beautiful in her own way. Ted used to always say when he met her, she was the Marilyn Monroe of the bank. One of Ted's sisters was still a little girl when Ted brought her home to meet the family, and she told me years later that she thought Dorothy was so beautiful, she must be a princess. I thought she was a princess, she said. When I was little, I truly thought Dorothy was the most beautiful woman alive. I would watch her put her makeup on and do her hair. Back then, she didn't have the control center, so this was in the washroom. And I would just gaze at her in awe. When she dressed up to go out, she had no reservations about showcasing her generous cleavage with low-cut outfits. As long as the dark spots are covered, Julie, you're good to go. She bought me a string bikini when I was 16 that I was even nervous to wear at first, but I got used to it. You're not going to have that figure forever, Julie. You might as well show it off while you can. She was right. She did always battle with her weight, though, which is why she tried to help me stay thin. She wasn't delicately built, nor am I, but when I look back now at pictures of her as a young woman, she really had a lovely figure. She wasn't heavy at all. Now, I've never seen pictures of her as a teen, but she always told me that she was heavy as a teen, but I, I have a hard time even buying that. Sadly, we often don't see what's really there, and we don't necessarily realize, especially when we're young, that it doesn't matter anyway. At least it shouldn't. Oh, sidetrack. I hear heroin chic is going to be back in style. Just fuck that. That's ridiculous. No. I thought we were moving on. I thought we were starting to accept different sized bodies. So just no. Huh. Though Dorothy didn't always work full time when we were growing up, she tried a lot of new things, particularly more so as we got older. She was always taking classes. For a while, she taught night courses at the college in Sarnia, McBee Bookkeeping. You've probably never heard of it unless you're as old as I am. It's some paper-based system. You know, complain about technology all you want. I would not want to go back to having to do everything on paper. Ugh. If you're young, you don't know what it was like. Everything took forever. And people made mistakes then, too. So embrace the technology. When she worked at the property management firm, they implemented a computer system there, and she loved it. It was uh, some old-timey, well, of course it was back in the olden days. It had to be old-timey. It was a Unix-based system. And when there were issues, she would dig into the code and try to figure them out. And she very often did solve them without having to call support. I wish we had computers when I was young, she'd lament. I would have loved to work with computers. She loved fast, beautiful cars, too. She used to rev her engine at red lights to challenge the driver beside her to see who could accelerate to speed first. I used to think, one of these days, I'm going to rent her a gorgeous little sports car just for a day. 
but it wasn't something I could ever afford to do before it was too late. (sighs) We so often lose women's stories. When Catherine's episode of Who Do You Think You Are dug into my mom's family tree, the story invariably kept coming back to the men. I think it was a bit of a challenge to highlight my female ancestors' stories, but it turns out we come from some pretty amazing women. Women's stories just aren't told enough. Networks or whoever greenlights these things reject or they water down our stories. Who we are is too often reduced to to these one-dimensional tropes we see on TV. The supporting role to the male characters or the young characters. We are more than just somebody's mom. My mom was more than just my mom. So I'm grateful when I see moms portrayed as the complex, flawed, funny human beings we are. Deborah Vance in Hacks. Catherine Ryan in The Duchess, still available on Netflix. All the women in The Golden Girls. I call Sophia. If I ever got to be in something like that, I call Sophia. We had a big party after my mom's funeral, which she had said she didn't want. But the funeral is for the living, isn't it? And I know I found comfort in reminiscing about my mother and hearing so many people tell me how much she meant to them. It took me probably about 10 years to stop instinctively reaching for the phone to tell her something. I still wish I could tell her I'm sorry for not being there more for her. I didn't always give her a hug when she needed me to. I shouldn't have kept doing things while I talked to her on the phone. I should have sat down and just given her my full attention. But mostly when I think about her now, it's with the warmth of what a fabulous woman she was and how lucky I was to be her baby. Thank you for listening. If you have anything you'd like to share or ask, email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. And have a lovely week. This podcast is hosted on Podbean. It was produced, written, recorded, mastered, and edited by Julie McCarthy.